Thank you for listening to this podcast from Living Hope Church in Skokie, Illinois, featuring the preaching of Pastor Daniel Mann. For more information about our church, please visit us online at livinghopechicago.com. We hope that today's message will encourage you in your relationship with God. Today we're going to finish our series called The Story. And uh, we've been making our way through the Bible um, and looking at the fact that the Bible tells one grand story. It, it, the Bible's not a conglomeration of, uh, of many different stories going in different directions. Uh, the Bible is really telling one grand story, and that's what we've been looking at. And this is our sixth and final message in this series. And when we talk about the story, we're really talking about God's story. And we're talking about the story that defines all of us. Now, what is that story? Well, we learned in our first message, entitled The Beginning, how that God is at the center of the story. He's the focus of the story. He's the leading actor, if you will, in the story. He's the one that created all things by His Word, and when He finishes creation in Genesis 1 and 2, everything is good. Secondly, we learned about the fall, and how that the perfection of creation was ruined by sin and rebellion. When, when mankind, when we chose a different path than God's good plan, and when we tried to be our own masters, that it brought us into this curse that we find ourselves in now, separated from God. Then we learned about the promise, though, that God made, that, that in the midst of our sin, He didn't leave us helpless and hopeless that he promised that he was going to send one into the world who would rescue fallen humanity. In the fourth message, we learned about the coming. That is the coming of, of the one that God had promised. He promised to send one in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we meet that one. And his name is Jesus. He's the eternal Son of God. And he demonstrated that he is the Messiah. He's the one that the world is looking for by his miraculous birth, that he was supernaturally conceived in the womb of a virgin. We, we learned about his flawless, sinless life, how that he never sinned. He perfectly obeyed the will of the Father in every way. And we learned about his extraordinary ministry, how he proved to be the Messiah, the Son of God, by his wisdom and miracles and healing, which no one had ever seen on such scale before. On Good Friday, a couple days ago, we learned about the rescue. How that Jesus died to rescue us from the wrath of God. And He rose from the dead to rescue us from death and the grave. And that through repentance and through faith in His name, that, that Jesus rescues us. That His rescue on the cross, His rescue through His resurrection, personally becomes ours when we repent and believe on Him. Today's our final message, and I want us to look a little bit of, of how all this ends. And I'm, I'm calling this last message, The Restoration. The Restoration. And we're, we're going to learn what God is doing. And we're going to learn what the future holds, and what God has promised to those who repent of their sin and who trust in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for rescue, we today are going to learn what the Bible says is the future for us and what God is doing 
in the story, ultimately. Look with me at Acts chapter 3. So that's the fifth book of the Bible, just after the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Come to the book of Acts, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 3. Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus is ascended back up to heaven to be in the presence of his Father, where he's seated on the right hand, one day coming again, as he promised. In Acts chapter 3, it's really an amazing story. There's a man who's basically crippled, uh, unable to walk, and he's sitting at the gate of the temple, and he encounters Peter and John in this passage. And Peter and John, by the name of Jesus Christ, heal this man's inability to walk. Now, it wasn't Peter and John healing him. It was was Jesus Christ healing him through his servants, Peter and John. And the man gets up and he walks, and all the people are amazed by this, and they're giving praise and thanks to God for this. But there are some others who don't quite understand what's going on, are quite taken back by all of this. And so, beginning in verse 13, Peter is explaining how this man now is able to walk. Look at verse 13. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot not that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. He's saying, I know what you were doing to Jesus, you did it by ignorance. Verse 18, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of his, all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Will you notice verse 21 with me one more time? Look at that very carefully. Talking about Jesus, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution or restoration of all things. The Bible teaches that the risen King, Jesus Christ, will one day restore all things. That's what verse 21 is saying, is that there's coming a time of the restitution of all things. Everything God is going to restore through Jesus Christ. And that's our message today on Easter Sunday, that God has promised to restore all things through Jesus Christ. I'd like us to ask this question today. What does that mean? What does it mean that God will restore all things through Jesus? I believe there are two components 
to God's restoration through Jesus Christ. It will help us to know what the future holds. It will help us know what God is doing. It will help us to see how this story is coming to an end that God has authored. Number one, I want you to notice what I call the present restoration. The present restoration is that God restores sinful hearts through the new birth. When we talk about God restoring all things through Jesus Christ, what we need to understand about that initially is that God is restoring sinful hearts presently, right now, through what the Bible calls the new birth. You know what's amazing is in verse 16 of Acts 3, what we just read, is it said there was a man who was unable to walk, who was made perfectly whole by faith in Jesus' name. And his physical healing and his physical restoration represented an even greater restoration. It represented God making broken, sinful hearts whole again. You see, Jesus didn't come merely into the world to to restore people physically. He, He came ultimately to restore people spiritually, to restore them to God. Now, what does that mean to be restored to God, to be restored spiritually? Well, in John chapter 3, there was a man named Nicodemus, and Jesus told him that he needed to be born again because he was spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 talks about how that, that mankind, that we are dead in our sins. To be spiritually dead means that a person does not and cannot have a relationship with God due to their sin. That in order to have a relationship with God, that person must be spiritually made alive and must be resurrected from spiritual death. Now, how does one experience that? The resurrection from from spiritual death to spiritual life. Ephesians chapter 2 gives us the answer as well. It not only tells us what spiritual death is, but it tells us how we can experience spiritual life. It says, for by grace, it's by grace through faith. I love what Ephesians 2 says. In fact, I'm going to read to you just a couple verses in Ephesians chapter 2. But you'll notice this word quickened is used. It's used in verse 1. It means to be made alive. And it says it again in verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Ye are saved. He goes on to tell us, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. So here it is, the moment that, that someone dead in their sin responds to Jesus by repentance and faith in Him, they experience an inward miracle as God raises them from spiritual death, changing their heart, restoring their heart to spiritual life. They're raised to walk in a new way of life. This is God's work of restoration right now. And everyone who trusts in Jesus for rescue experiences this restoration of heart. Everything in their life is made new as they're raised from the spiritual death. In the mid-1700s, there was a ruthless, godless man who was a slave trader. On long voyages, he would rape the female slaves that he was transporting. Some of those women became pregnant, and he would basically leave them 
wherever he was transporting them, being unconcerned about their fate or the fate of the child. One occasion he kept back one of the female slaves as his mistress, and one day he found her with another man, another slave. When he found her in an intimate moment with another man, he took that man, beat that man to death, only to find out later that that man was the husband of his mistress. This man's name was John Newton. And John Newton experienced a miraculous transformation. By the grace of God, he he came to understand his utter sinfulness. That one day he was going to face the wrath of a holy God. John Newton cried out to God for salvation, for mercy, for rescue. And God restored his heart. God raised him from spiritual death. God transformed him. And later he would write the words, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind, but now I see. I don't think he would mind if we even added the words, I was dead, but now I'm alive. God transformed a a slave owner. And not only only forgave him, but but he so changed him that, that this slave owner became an abolitionist. And, and he, he, he devoted some of his life to getting rid of the slave labor practice of his day. He was transformed from a dead sinner to a living child of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old Things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God restores sinful hearts. That's His present restoration. But you know, the Bible says that, that we all, like John Newton, need to be made new, transformed, raised from spiritual death. I think it's easy for us to hear or read a story about a man like John Newton and say, yeah, he really needed to be saved. He really needed God to change him. But the Bible says that my heart and your heart is dead in sin, that that we need to be restored and that only God can restore us. And can you look back over your life and, and, and remember and see when God restored and transformed your heart? There's a, a girl who was Uh, She had accepted Christ as her Savior. She was applying for membership in a church. And applying is is not the best word, but she she was wanting to join this church. And they they met with her and asking her a few questions. And they asked her about her life before Jesus. And they said, you know, did you understand yourself to be a sinner? And do do you view that you were a sinner before you received Jesus into your life? And she said, yes. And they said, well, are you still a sinner? She said this, to tell you the truth, I really feel like I'm a greater sinner than ever. And they said, well, if you feel like you're a greater sinner than ever, then what real change have you experienced? And I love her answer. She says, I don't really quite know how to explain it. But she said, I used to be a sinner running after my sin. 
But now that I have Jesus, I'm a sinner trying to run away from my sin. See, that is a beautiful example of a restored heart. Someone who's been raised from spiritual death that we're no longer, as Ephesians 2 teaches, walking away from God, but that we are running towards Him because He's restored our hearts. Not only is there present restoration when God restores sinful hearts by the new birth, but finally I'd like to talk to you about future restoration. Scripture teaches that God will restore all things to perfection for all eternity. That God is going to restore all things to perfection for all eternity. You see, God is not only restoring individuals, And He is doing that one life at a time as they trust Jesus for rescue. But He's also promised to restore everything to perfection. You see, paradise was lost in Genesis 3 when mankind rebelled against God. But paradise will be restored one day when God judges sin and banishes the curse forevermore. That's what we were reading in Acts 3.21 when it talked about the restitution or the restoration of all things. What does that mean? It, It simply means that everything that is wrong because of the curse of sin will be made right by Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me to Revelation Revelation chapter 21. We're going to look at a a couple verses here in the last two chapters of the Bible. Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. While you're turning there, let me get you up to speed. In Revelation chapter 20, God judges Satan and all people who choose their sin over his son. God has judged Satan. And He's judged those who've chosen their sin, whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life, or those who have not been saved by Jesus. God has judged them. And in Revelation 21, God has already judged sin. And I love what Revelation 21.5 says. And he He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. What does that mean? Well, he he, he explained that in verse 4, and I wish we had time for a close treatment of, of so many verses in this text, but he says there'll be no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. Look at Revelation 22, verse 3. It says, and there shall be no more curse. Revelation 21 verse 1 says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and the first earth or that which we dwell in and the first heaven are passed away. Wow. God is going to make all things new. He's going to do away with all the sorrow, pain, death, and suffering that was brought on by sin. He's going to bring about a, a brand new Heaven and a new earth, forever free from sin and its effects. You know, the Bible begins, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, with mankind, Adam and Eve, in the garden with God. Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden were experiencing perfect fellowship with God and with one another. 
But their choice to sin ruined the paradise they had known. But the beautiful thing about the restoration of all things is that just as the Bible begins with man in the garden with God, it, it ends with mankind in the garden with God. Look, look at Revelation 22. Look at, look at verse 2. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of it, of the river, was there a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it his servants, and they shall see his face. Chapter 21, it says that, verse 3, he says, I will dwell with men, and they shall be my people. God will tabernacle with men. Do you see the picture? That what the first Adam in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, what, what, what he lost in Genesis 3, the last Adam, who is Jesus Christ, restores. Colossians 1.20 says that that God, having made peace through the blood of Jesus' cross, by Jesus to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Can you imagine living on a perfect earth, in a perfect body, surrounded by perfect people for all eternity? Can you imagine an existence with no sickness, no sorrow, no struggle? Can you imagine a world with no darkness, no funerals, no hospitals? Can you imagine a world where you don't have to lock your doors? A world where you have no worries or cares? A world where fear is never experienced? Can you imagine abiding in God's presence, seeing His face, enjoying the depths of unhindered intimacy, and joyfully serving Him for all eternity. That is the future of every child of God. Bliss and paradise for the endless ages with God. The restoration of all things. Years ago, I, there was a, a young man and an elderly woman that drove up to a church and they shared their story with a man who was a guest speaker at the church. So he was not the pastor. He was just there to preach for one particular service and didn't know the people. And they started to share a little bit of their story. And this was their story. The woman's husband and the young man's father had lost everything they owned due to his addiction to alcohol. And, and he was so addicted to alcohol that, that before he died, he brought the whole family into great poverty. At one point, they had owned a nice family farm and were doing pretty well. But due to his drunkenness, they were... Everything was taken from them. In fact, they used to have what were called poorhouses. 
A poorhouse was a, a government workhouse for the poor who could not provide them for themselves. And it was a place for them to find lodging and a place for them to find some work. And the young man worked really hard. And he earned enough money to buy back the family farm and to get his mother out of the poorhouse. And the pastor, that guest pastor that was there that day listening to this story, the story about how a father had brought his family to the point of losing everything, the son works really hard, gets his mother out of this poverty and buys back their old farm and puts her back to where she was before. The pastor said to himself, this is a beautiful illustration of the gospel. How that the first Adam in Eden sold us out, but the Messiah, the second Adam, came and bought us back again. The first Adam brought us to the poorhouse, as it were, but the second Adam, the Lord Jesus, has made us kings and priests unto God. That is redemption, and we, through Christ, get all that Adam lost and so much more. God has promised to restore all things through Jesus. There's a present restoration as He restores sinful hearts by the new birth. And there's a future restoration when everything will be restored to perfection with no curse for all eternity. God's the author of an incredible story that we call redemption, that we call the gospel. It's good news. And I want to invite you, through repentance and faith, to make God's story the one that you live from. The one that you trust in. That that you would, through repentance and faith, cry out to God to save you. To forgive you. To give to you eternal life. This is God's story. Will you make it yours today? If you committed your life to Jesus Christ or made a spiritual decision, we would like to rejoice with you. Please connect with us on our website, livinghopechicago.com. We hope you'll join us next time for another encouraging message from God's Word.